You know, I've done a lot of hard things. I mean, at last count, I think I've done 33 or 34 expeditions. And I would say this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Chemo and the monoclonal therapy that I was doing, I was a mess, dude. And I would build myself up over the course of a few weeks to get to a point where I had a seven to 10 day decent period, I called it, where I would go and do stuff. I was on Baffin Island in February across the Palak Valley, combination of ski, trekking, and snowmobile, doing it. That's Ray Zahab record-setting extreme adventurer and RCGS Explorer-in-Residence. When Ray says something is the hardest thing he's ever done, you know that means it's unbelievably hard. He's coming off a battle with cancer, in which he somehow managed to work in an expedition in the Canadian Arctic at the coldest time of the year. We're thrilled to have him back as our guest on this episode of Explore, a Canadian Geographic podcast. Welcome to all you explorers out there armchair and in motion. I've got a question for you. Are you a Canadian Geographic magazine subscriber? If not, you really should be. This is an award-winning magazine that's been around for more than 90 years, producing unique and incredibly fascinating stories, photo essays, and maps about Canada, its land, people, environment, and so much more. It's only $28.50 a year. Compare that to a streaming service. What a deal. For that, you get six print issues delivered to your house and full digital access to the magazine and its archives. To sign up, visit canadiangeographic.ca forward slash subscribe. Now, Ray Zahab. Ray is not just a friend of this podcast. He's a friend. We're about the same age. We live not far from each other in the Gatineau Hills. And we've had a lot of laughs together, usually over coffee on my front porch. Like a lot of people, I was worried and saddened to learn about his cancer diagnosis last year. Like many as well, I was even more concerned about his decision to go ahead with the Baffin Island expedition in February in between chemo treatments. Now, Ray is also one of the most positive people I know. He's someone who faces risks head-on and weighs dangers from every possible angle. He's set records for getting to the South Pole on foot, for running across deserts and blazing summer heat. He has carried out expeditions in the harshest places on this planet. Ray's decisions around his cancer treatment were done in close consultation with his doctors and his family. What he chose to do is not likely what most of us would choose. It worked for him. This is his story to tell, and he does so beautifully. Ray Zahab, welcome back to the Explore podcast. Excited to be back. It's been uh, it's been a while. I think I was here. When was I last it year? It might have been a year ago. It was definitely no. It was more than a year. Oh, it was no. It was. I can tell you when it was. It was when? just after you. Oh, did just after I got back from, from Greece and yeah. before I yeah. went to Death Valley. Yeah, it was between the two. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Now I've got my head on straight. Yeah. Now I know where we are chronologically. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> exactly. And we can pick that up because I think Death, yeah. Death Valley um, fits into to the story it we're going to talk it, about. It fits into where I was and it fits into where I'm going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Cause, um, I mean, I guess the question I want to ask first of all is how are you? Right. Because you have since, well, you last talk had this lymphoma uh, yeah. diagnosis. So and- it's, it's interesting, you know, yeah. you, uh, yeah, there's just a million ways I could start this discussion. Yeah. Why don't I say this for starters, um, that I, eat super clean as the term goes right. i exercise daily yeah i don't drink i don't 
eat sugar. I do all the things that, you know, you'd think would be super healthy yet. Lo and behold, here we go. I get diagnosed with, you know, it's a form of blood cancer for people that aren't familiar with it called lymphoma. Mm -hmm. And I have a very rare form of that lymphoma. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was one of these people that like I'm hard charging all the time. I mean, that's what my job is. I do for your listeners that don't know, or, and I wouldn't expect them to, uh, know about the stuff that I do. I, so I cross deserts, the hottest deserts on the planet. Right typically in their hottest time of year. I just love being there. I'm fascinated by it. And I cross the colder regions of the planet. I've crossed the Arctic and I've been to the South Pole and I've been across Siberia. It typically coldest times of the year, unsupported, da 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 da. So opposite ends of the thermometer, 20,000 kilometers or so at Mm -hmm. this point. So I'm used to pushing through things. And then last year, um, I would say maybe almost the last two years, I wasn't feeling 100%. I wasn't feeling right. And we've all had COVID or many of us have had COVID. Right. And although I had the vaccinations and all that jazz, I um, thought I had long COVID or something. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, I mean, wow. so, and, so, and then I came back from Ellesmere and you and I were talking here at your kitchen table. Yeah. And I thought, and I wasn't feeling great in those days. I remember that very distinctly thinking to myself, well, maybe I'm just exhausted from stress because the expedition didn't go. I've had three expeditions in my career, yeah. 30 plus expeditions that did not go the way I wanted to. So I take it very personally. Right, sure. And so maybe I'm just exhausted from the stress of things not working out. And it's I'll try to be them. concise. But when I started training yeah. for my next project, which was to cross the Mojave Desert, Death Valley, at its widest point in July yeah. of last yeah. year, yeah. right after I saw you, I started my training. I simply could not recover. And I was getting foggy headed, worse and worse. Those, the symptoms that I thought were long COVID were becoming debilitating in some ways. Yeah. And um, yeah. that started the journey to yeah. finding out what I had. Right, right. And that, I mean, that in itself would be terrifying for you. I mean, it, long COVID just because. Yeah, for sure. Because you don't know what's, you know. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, because you hear people having it for. for terrible. Yeah, and no energy. And, yes. and you're all about energy. And we I mean, were talking yeah, about before yeah. where. You know, anything could be anything. I mean, Lyme disease. You and yeah. I are in the woods all the time, and you yeah. get ticks. And yeah. so I'm super careful with that. And you just you try to be careful with stuff, yeah. right? But um, yeah, and so I was training to go to Death Valley, and you know, my wife was convinced I should see a doctor, get some mm-hmm. blood work done. Yeah, which I did, and then I was. They found out I was anemic. Yeah, explains you know lack right. of energy, but they didn't know why I was anemic. And then one thing led to another, and then they found out that this this number, this blood viscosity or blood proteins was very high. And um, that started the process of eventually seeing a hematologist and then eventually, you know, getting one of those bones where they dig into your bone to get a, you know, like a, a sample. And then I started a combination of chemotherapy and monoclonal therapy last fall. And I just completed six months of that. Right. So, I mean, I think we're especially in the realm of your world, I think we all feel somewhat indestructible, right? And I'm just wondering when you get that diagnosis that you've got cancer, right? Which I don't, I don't think any of us think we're going to get, right? But what's that, what's that feeling? Like? Well, I mean, I was relieved in one sense because huh. for two reasons, there's a lot of people that have a hell of a lot worse than I do. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. So that was one thing. I was like, all right, well, I kind of dodged a bullet. You know, I, I, I don't have leukemia. You right. know what I mean? Or, right. or a, a plethora of other cancers Way worse that ones, pe- yeah. my dad died of cancer. I mean, I, there's a <clears> lot of people that I know that have uh, either succumbed or debilitated from, from cancer. Right. Uh, second of all, 
um, I had a diagnosis. Yeah. Why I felt like shit for so long. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. only so long. I mean, you adapt. When I used to smoke a pack a day, I was, uh, again, for your listeners, I, I didn't start any of this exploration, ultra running, yeah. mountain bike, any of this stuff till I was 30. And until I was 30, I was smoking a pack a day. Yeah. So normal for me was going up a set of stairs and being winded. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's normal. That's how it feels to go up a set. That's not normal, yeah. you know? And I soon learned after quitting smoking and, you know, uh, cutting back significantly on partying, not completely in those earlier days of adventure, but whatever, I was able to do things physically that I would have never imagined mm -hmm. at, you know, a high level, difficult, but, but doable. And I would have never known different, right? Because, you know, if I, if I hadn't quit smoking, right? And so it turns out bounding upstairs is the way it should be, right? Well, it was kind of the same thing with this. I got used to feeling like absolute garbage over a period of time. And then when I had a diagnosis, I was like, oh, wait a sec. And then when the chemo started and, you know, I made a lot of commitments during that time. What I have is treatable, not curable. Right. So I'm like, you know, I come out of this thing now feeling pretty good. And I'm pretty sure that with my training goes as planned, I'll be better than I was right. even a few years ago because this thing's been dragging on. But no doubt it's coming back. You know, it's just how long before yeah. it comes back in. I got to go through this whole process game, but I'm all right with that. Yeah. Give me a couple of really great years feeling good and I'll go through the whole process yeah. of getting a chemotherapy. No worries. Yeah. Well, you, you look great, I have to say. I well, mean, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, thank you, sir. And the same we'll, to you. We'll talk later. Yeah. Um, so I guess the question is, so as someone who's experienced a lot of different extreme environments and extreme, you've put yourself through the, some pretty rigorous stuff. What, I mean, where does chemo rank into that? You know, I've done a lot of hard things. I mean, at last count, I think I've done 33 or 34 expeditions. And I would say this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And it wasn't because the physical aspect. I've done things that are harder physically. But I think what it was for me, and you have to keep in mind, chemo and the monoclonal therapy that I was doing. So every 25 days, I would do monoclonal therapy and chemo on one day. And then on the next day, I would go back in and I would do chemo again. Right. And then I would have 25 days off, basically. And then I would go back in and do it again. And it was this process for six months with, of course, blood work and all this stuff to see where things are going. Some people, there's no effect, like from the chemo drugs. For me, I was a mess, dude. I was just, first the monoclonal stuff, I, you know, I had this allergic reactions to it and everything. Um, and it's all given by IV. And when I first started, it would take them 10 hours on the one day to get all the stuff into me, you know, because I just would react and it would have to slow mm -hmm. things down. But whatever. I, it, the worst part was after going home, I was bloated, sick, felt sick to my stomach, completely devoid of energy. It's like you carpet bombed my body. Right. You know, it just was like in bed for two or three days. Then I would will myself after two or three days to get moving again. And I would get outside and I'd start walking. And then walking would eventually turn to a little bit of running and I'd start with a kilometer or two. And if I could run a K without walking, I was doing good. And then I would build myself up over the course of a few weeks to get to a point where I had a seven to 10 day decent period, I called it, where I would go and do stuff. Right. And so I did a modified, my, my, an Arctic expedition in February across the Palak Valley on Baffin Island, combination of ski, trekking and um, snowmobile. I had to modify my expedition. I had to adapt mentally and physically to be able to do what I was doing. But I was on Baffin Island in February in the coldest time of year in winter doing it, right? 
I went to Death Valley with my youngest daughter and between another set of chemos right. and scouted out some projects that are coming up. I went and guided clients between another uh, period in the Atacama Desert in Chile. And the list goes on. I tried to have something every month during these six months to really keep me focused. In that sort of seven, but to, 10 day window? Yes, is that the, but to mm -hmm. answer your question, you know, if you said to me, well, I'm a carpenter and I whacked my finger, you know how horrible that is to whack your yeah. finger with a hammer. <laughs> yes. Now, if I told you every month on this day, you're going to whack your finger again with that hammer. <laughs> here it comes. Here yeah. it, you know it's coming. Yeah, yeah. And I've had people say to me, well, the good news is, is you know how bad you feel and you've kind of adapted to it. And I'm like, yeah, you know that? You're absolutely right. I mean, having that is good. But my other part of my brain is saying, dude, that hammer whack is coming and it is not going to be good. And yeah. so that part of it <clears throat> is what I think, the combination of that and the physical feeling so gross and having to start all over again, you know, with getting my exercise and my, you know, that was very difficult. So let's go back to Baffin, because I think I yeah. mean, that's in, in, as you say, in one of those 25 day windows, you crossed Baffin Island, which is amazing. I, I'm just wondering uh, how much convincing you needed to do for family, for doctors. I mean, were doctors okay? Obviously somebody signed off I on this. literally have had, I, I can't even say it, like, literally the, the best two doctors. Like yeah. the first hematologist that I saw was through, um, you know, an acquaintance and on the Ontario side, right. we live in Quebec, you and I. Yeah. And so she was amazing. She diagnosed what was wrong with me. And she yeah. said, but listen, you know, you can't be treated in Ontario. You gotta be treated in Quebec. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, very fortunate to be able to get treatment at the Gatineau, you yeah. know, Gatineau hospital. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing people, amazing mm. staff. I mean the hot, my doctor there, incredible incredible person yeah, great. and so gave me the encouragement i needed but set parameters and said here's what you can do here's what you can't do here's what you have to be careful about here's what you need to know here's what you know and i followed i consulted with my doctor on every single decision i made because of course i would get those social media those people on social media would reach out to me and say what are you an idiot you know and yeah. so i would explain to them yeah. well no actually i am an idiot yes you're correct about that but <laughs> <laughs> here's what the doctor said i could and couldn't do yeah so and and my family, the great thing about my family, my yeah, daughters yeah. and my wife, what I do for a living, mm -hmm. you know, I may as well just be assembling cardboard boxes in a box factory. I mean, it doesn't matter what I do. It's uh, very normalized in our yeah, household. Daddy's course. an explorer and that's just what I do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for, so for them in going through mm -hmm. this, they never acted like I was quote unquote ill or anything they would just kind of right you know if i got in the way because i was laying on the couch incapacitated yeah. staring at my phone after chemo they would just say hey we want to watch a movie get out of the way basically right there's no special treatments and i think that's the way it, it was great for me yeah. i really was good yeah. for me normal's helpful yeah. in that moment so going right? to the arctic i in my mind dave had said to myself look it i will be proud i said like I'm used to doing hard shit and yeah. really hard and, and really pushing myself from an endurance perspective. It's what I do. Yeah. You know, fast and light philosophy, moving quickly, covering distance. If you recall, when I crossed Baffin in 2020, I left from the island of Kikiktarjwak, self-contained in yeah. January 2020. And I ran, pulling my sled from the island, across the sea ice, over Baffin, yeah. and into the fjord towards Pangnertung yeah. in four and a half days. It was 200 and... Yeah. 20 some odd k i think i had on my gps with all the winding i did and everything wow it's like it's like almost 50k a day yeah. right I, during this process i've learned that sometimes you just gotta adjust your life you gotta adjust your expectations adjust where i'm at and i was like if i can get on this plane 
yeah. and not get sick yeah. and have, have the courage to get on the plane while I've got this thing yeah. and go, then that's an achievement. And Great. so I set up achievements along the way. Yeah. You know, and you know what an achievement for me was on this expedition? Not getting frostbite. The wind chills are in the minus 80 range. If I got frostbite, that could be a very big problem. So I mitigated all of that. So what was so, the original you know, plan then? The original, original trip plan was, was be... to ski from with my uh, teammate Val Gagne, who was at one time an ITP youth ambassador, and she guides with my uh, guiding company, Capic One now. Uh, one of my best friends. So Val Gagne, myself, and Kevin Valley, who's a very good friend of mine, one of my best friends. We yeah, we skied to the South Pole together. We skied across Siberia together, yeah. or ran across Siberia together. He's just an incredible athlete. He's rode the Northwest Passage, or the majority of it. And we went to Ellesmere together and are going back to Ellesmere together next year. So uh, we, the three of us, the goal was to ski from the island of Kikik Tarjwek, sort of southerly if you will mm -hmm. and eventually it's take the long way around through these fjords i'm doing like i'm i'm drawing the map with my hand there's, right a, now on there's the an arc there's a, ray is making, an, making arc. an arc going up this fjord and then into the palak valley crossing the palak valley on baffin island yeah. which my friend billy arnacook from kick kick tarjwak has told me about for mm -hmm. so many years how beautiful it is cross that valley and then ski into the opposite fjord, uh, the name escapes me right now, from Pangertung, and then climb the mountain that's on the back of Pangertung right. and down into town. 21 days. 21 days. That was the goal. So that's, days. that is no longer, it can't be on no, the table. No, it's like I got 10 days yeah. door to door, yeah. max, and I go with 10 days not feeling good the first few days. Like yeah. Knowing I still am not right. I'm not right. I'm bloated and I feel gross still. And But... Can I just say too that, that I mean the, an important thing about being a successful explorer is the ability to adapt, right? Like yeah, and well, you've been doing be that humble. now for twenty. You have to be humble. Yeah. I wasn't going to go and say hard charge and say all right, bring it. I'm just going to put my face in the wind and get frostbite and risk dying of an infection because I think yeah. I'm a badass or something ridiculous. Yeah. No, you you have to be able to humbly approach these things. I've always been. Uh, or tried to, and I work on it all the time, but approach these environments yeah. um, with great humility yeah. because we are visitors to these places. Yeah. And so these places, we have, it's a constant learning curve. So now even more saying, you don't know everything, you don't know shit, like go into it. And although you've done all these past expeditions, take mm -hmm. what you've learned, apply it, but add an extra layer of humility in your approach to this expedition and say, hey, this is not the time for me to try and hard charge something. It's time to go to this place I love so much, explore a new part of Baffinon that I haven't been, that my friends have told me about for a long time, yeah. and do it. It's still going to be really hard. It's still epic. It's an adventure. It's a different right. kind of adventure, but get out there and do it. Because so other days will come. Dave, you know, if I, if I, you know, in my mind, I was halfway through chemo. And I'm saying to myself, if I get through this and I'm feeling awesome, at mm -hmm. the end of chemo and I'm training my ass off for what's next I'll do the endurance thing again yeah. I'll do all that risk stuff again you know this is risky enough for where I am in my life at this point that's yeah. what I was saying to myself excellent so it's the same crew but you're you're obviously how are you short is it still kicked to pang your tongue is yeah that, everything yeah. was the same but we did uh, the first part on snow machine till we got to the coast of Baffin and then started skiing up through about spent 40 hours in a tent there you know and then <laughs> get, get to know, you know your like, travel uh, wading out a windstorm yeah and because i couldn't risk being in that uh with those windy conditions with the frostbite and then we carried on skiing and trekking and then rejoined with the snowmobile team right. yeah and then took snowmobiles the rest of the way yeah and that was honestly epic 
It's the most epic snowmobile. Like we were snowmobiling. My buddies, uh, Billy and 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 uh, his crew, they were um, JP and they were they were snowmobiling over dry rocks. We we're pushing Conatix over because it's uh. all wind blowing. And you know, Billy says there's so much less snow there at this time of year. Mind you, if you recall when I crossed that valley last year, yeah. I took weather data, very accurate weather data, carrying devices mm-hmm. west to east, the entire transect, and collected weather data of the hottest place on earth on a single transect mm-hmm. at the hottest time of year. This time, we took our devices and went to the, one of the coldest places on earth to record accurate weather data mm-hmm. along this entire transect and combine the, this cold weather data with Billy's knowledge of this area at this time of year and mm-hmm. how it's changed over the years. All of this to be combined for educational programming for our next Impossible to Possible Youth Expedition, which is happening next month. Sure. So we had all this weather data. And so I'm getting, you know, asking Billy questions about the area and learning. And there's a lot less snow now in that area than there has yeah. been in the past. Yeah. Know? So anyhow, dry rock, snowmobiling, all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, nuts. I mean, so six months, you're halfway through chemo. I mean, how are you feeling? Like, what is the... At that time? Yeah. Well, you know, it has like, a... What you, I guess, what are you noticing about yourself? Yeah. So the crazy thing was after the first round mm-hmm. last fall, a week after I said to my wife, oh my God, I feel good. Yeah. I feel different. And I was warned, hey, you feel good now because we've, you know, we've beaten down that yeah. amount of blood viscosity you have. You know, I still don't have my red blood cells back. It takes time to grow those again, right? Yeah. But we're, we're starting to hammer down this a little bit. Um, but there's a cumulative effect to the chemo. And when we went to Baffin... That was when I first said to myself, wow, you know, I feel good, but I'm not sure I feel as good as I did in past months. Right. And then I would really see that in the coming months. I, I, yeah. I It took me, uh, for example, in month five, I went with my daughter to Death Valley to yeah. do some scouting. That was the trip that I did in that seven to 10 day period. Mm-hmm. And we were running every day and scouting and all that. Luckily, she'd wait up for me and we'd take breaks and that sort of thing. But I really thought to myself, whoa. I am not feeling good at all. And then, you know, anyhow, and then I've bounced back. I'm a month out and I'm feeling good. I'm training like crazy and I feel good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was there much convincing uh, with Kevin? And sorry, your other partner was... Kevin Valley and Val Gagne. And Val yeah. Gagne. Was there a lot of convincing for them? I mean, they must have had some nerves a bit, you know, with your condition. Or... Yeah, but they know me and we all know each other so well. Yeah. And Val is like a sister, right? And... Yeah. uh absolute beast yeah. i mean she's incredible she comes for training uh and i try to she was like you know junior national cross-country ski team national team rowing yeah i mean can you imagine the engine and yeah. then i gotta go cross-country skiing with her forget it like you're not <laughs> keeping up with her right yeah. but run at least when we go running i can hold my own with her but uh you know she she knows me inside out and there's a trust that's built yeah you know kevin and i have done a lot of long things together yeah that require when we crossed when we crossed Siberia in Lake Baikal, Siberia in February 2010, mm-hmm. it required a tremendous amount of patience, yeah. resilience. There yeah. was pain. We were covering huge distances. We were running unsupported. 650K as the crow flies, but we actually did 700K in 13 days. Yeah. You know, you do the math on that, pulling 110 pound slats sure. each of us, yeah. that's a lot of distance every day running. And um, so we've done hard things together. So coming together and gelling as a team under these circumstances uh-huh. for something completely different uh, was not even a 
question factor. Yeah. You know? So what were some, what was like a most memorable place? I mean, you, you talk about going to valleys you'd never been before fjords. And yeah. Stuff. Like what, what, are you, what are you seeing? The most memorable was when we rolled up on this lake where there's tons of char and mm. people go fishing there all the time from Pangerton. They come in and they go fishing. And we were in one of the little, there's like a little cabin, tiny little cabin fishing shelter that somebody had put together. Nice. It was cozy inside, you know, it was like, uh, you know, it, it was sort of a windowless box, if you will, with a, you know, a kerosene stove in the corner. And we all piled in and it was just enough room for all of us to get in there. And my buddy Jesse was there, my buddy Howie as well. They were rolling uh, with uh, with Billy and JP and, and, and Howie's a photographer from Colorado and Jesse's from here in Chelsea. And uh, do you know Jesse? Mm -hmm. Oh, he's amazing, Doug Oz, he's a great guy. And so um, Jesse was shooting video. And so, you know, we, uh, we all get in this cabin together and a couple of young lads, we hear snowmobile, like it's late at night and we hear snowmobile. Who is possibly out here? Because nobody's, not too many people are rolling through in February, right? right? Yeah. And uh, these two young lads come in and they got a you know garbage bag and inside they had like a frozen leg of caribou. <laughs> and it turns out Billy knew these young lads. They were from Kikik Tarjwak and they were riding through. And they were like, hey, you guys want some char? And we're like, let's do it. You know, and so it was just sitting around carving up their char. So I've had char on the mind because yeah, yeah. we also had char. But uh, this caribou... And we were carving up this caribou and just, I don't know if you've ever had frozen no. raw caribou. It's one of the greatest no things way. in the world. It's just so amazing. I had so many times. It's one of my favorite things. Amazing. Oh, dude. It What's was it like, taste like? Like how would oh, you like The best carpaccio you've ever had in your life. It's the greatest <laughs> thing. It's just so, uh, caribou's the best. Yeah. You know, it, it's a toss up for me. I, I also love the char. Yeah, raw, char is you know, amazing. It's, it's like a, sashimi, it's, char sashimi. It's, yeah, it's amazing, you know? yeah. It's, it's like, it, I mean, it's the salmon, but it's even better somehow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 For sure. It's incredible. So um, that it was the most memorable moment. Us all hanging out, you know, digging in on this mm -hmm. leg of caribou and uh, laughing and, and just having a grand old time. That was the greatest memory. Now, you know, obviously there's all, there's all the other, you know, wait, we were 40 hours in our tent stuck in this snowstorm yeah, uh, or windstorm. And then the wind had calmed as yeah. the sun was coming up and on the, you know, after the 40 hours, more or less were over. And I stepped out of the tent to go to the bathroom and just looking across the valley and as the sun, and remember sun coming up. I mean, the sun's only up for, you know, six hours. hours. Yeah. I, at that point, I think we were at six hours, but still low on the horizon. And just the way it looked, and I thought to myself, well, I'm still alive, and I'm out here enjoying this, and this is amazing, and what a gift it is to be here in this place with people that you love, doing something really cool, and maybe it's not the way I would normally do it, but the reward of being there was greater than maybe it would have been otherwise. I appreciated yeah. being there yeah. more than maybe I would have appreciated it before, you know? Yeah. Well, is there a benefit, do you think, too, for you, where you were at that point, to sort of removing yourself from the patient place, too? You know what I mean? Like I just never really felt like, uh, you know, like I felt obviously like a patient. But I, from day one, I said to myself, uh, I can give myself permission to take six months off and do nothing. Yeah. Just deal with this, right? And instead, I chose to take this head on in a mental aspect, emotional aspect, and physical aspects. So mm -hmm. that meant from a physical perspective that I was going to get myself as friggin' fit as I could between each 
chemo session that I was going to go into this, not just whatever, you know, getting through it and eating McDonald's in between. Like I was going to be juicing. I was going to be eating the healthiest food I could. I was going to get as much sleep as I could. I was going to exercise. I was doing research. I was doing all the things that I needed to do on the physical side, on the emotional side. I needed to come to terms with the fact that I was going to deal with this thing. People are dealing with much worse things, mm -hmm. but that I would share with others what I was experiencing. It's relative. The most difficult things that we go through in life are relative to us as individuals. I knew this was going to be very difficult for me, maybe easy for someone else, very difficult for me. When I was sitting there in chemo, you're not alone sitting there getting the chemo. There's people all around you getting chemo. And I talked to people and for some people, they were on their second bout mm -hmm. and i'd say well like where the symptoms at no symptoms so are you kidding me other people in worse way worse shape than me so i had to deal with it on my own terms how when and what it meant to me and then from a mental perspective i need goals it's just the way i am i need to have goals every month yeah. so i said okay each month i'm gonna do what i can do i'm gonna do something cool and that's what i'm gonna do for the next six months i got seven to ten days where i'm good i figured that out Let's go. I'm going to do something. I mean, what have you learned about yourself coming out of this? Well, I definitely have learned that, you know, not to take for granted feeling good. Yeah. You know, like I've done a lot of really neat things and, and, you know, I, you know, it, it gives you time to reflect. Like I, at one of the, one of the week, every weekend that I would go through chemo, I would do these social media things where, cause I had time just sitting around yeah. doing nothing. And one of them I did the top 10 most difficult expeditions I've done just to make it fun, especially for the young people that follow along with my stuff. And through Instagram stories, I basically counted down the top 10. And I, I knew what people were thinking was going to be number one was the running the Sahara expedition, you know, 111 right. days, 7,500K. But in fact, it wasn't the most difficult thing. The most difficult thing I did was cross the Atacama Desert, which was 1,200K with minimal resupplies in the heat of summer. The navigation yeah. was difficult. I mean, look, we could do a whole episode on how hard that expedition was. Yeah. But it was, for me, the most difficult expedition I'd done. And the excitement that people got from it and the energy that I was seeing from reading those fun, like just it was all for fun and mm -hmm. like, you know, online contests and whatnot. But I look back and I thought, wow, I remember though doing those things, all these things, and how invincible I thought I was. Yeah. You know? And that, that I was... You know, it's a good and bad thing. It's good to feel that way, but maybe not. You shouldn't feel that way all the time. You know, you got to be, you got to keep in mind that something can happen, you know? And so I leave from this knowing um, that the path forward to approach the path forward again, like I said, like I did with Baffin, with humility and with acceptance that more than likely I'm going to go through this again, unless there's a cure or something else happens, could happen. But to remain as positive as possible and be grateful that I'm coming out of it. And, and, you know, even during chemo, my red blood cells were climbing each month. Right. I mean, that's just doesn't happen. You know, that doesn't normally happen yeah. to my knowledge. And so I was fortunate that my body was fighting back and I was giving it everything it could. And so, you know, I'm doing training. I, before this podcast, I was out, it's been a month since chemo. I was out 20 K on the trails this morning, you know, like I'm building back. Right. right. And so, there's gratitude. I have a tremendous amount of gratitude that I can do this where others have are, are weathering much more difficult cancers or, or and, and diseases and whatnot 
that in my own life though, in the confines of my own life and relative to my own life, very grateful. So in short on that, I made a post the other day and I said, what I went through this year was the most difficult thing probably that I've been through, but also it's one of the greatest things because it just teaches you things also that you can't put into words about yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What's important. Yeah. There's like these, these emotional subtleties that can't be verbalized. It's very difficult. Yeah. No, amazing. I mean, to that end, what bookended this sort of whole story for you? I mean, you you sort of first noticed this and, um, in Death Valley, right? And then um, one of my favorite moments on social media with you is what, seeing the posts from with you and your daughter back in Death Valley. Again. Mm. And I mean, it's just beautiful. Like, just to see a father and daughter together is just a lovely thing. But for you to go back to that place with her, and, and what was that moment? Like? Well, you know, it's interesting because my oldest daughter was um, had qualified for the Quebec Games for Nordic skiing. Mm, congratulations. And we didn't know that, like everything was like, it was March break for the kids, right? And it just so happened that that March break fell a little closer to the chemo I just had mm-hmm. than, um, you know, nor- it normally did. But whatever. I mean, it was still within that window of when I started to feel all right. And my youngest was like, well, I don't want to go to the Quebec Games and watch my sister all week. You know, at the- <laughs> I said, well, okay. I was supposed to go to Death Valley the following week to scout some routes and do some stuff in the Mojave general. And I said, well, hey, guess what? I'll back up my trip. Not a big deal. Change things around. You want to go with me to Death Valley? And she's like, yeah, why not? And so she's the youngest one at, you know, just turned 12. Nice. So during the pandemic, before the pandemic, we were doing epic trips with them, but she was only old enough to do a certain amount of epicness, right? So, you know, we went out to Grossmore and did everything uh, because my wife's from Newfoundland. So we went out there. And then, you know, Adirondacks, numerous times, climbing mountains, epic trail runs and all that. But really, that was the extent of her travel. Yeah. So we get off the plane in LA, you know, to go to Death Valley. It was the first thing we see is a palm tree. Well, she's never seen a palm tree, right? And so then it just, I knew right then, oh man, this is going to be awesome. And she's a much better runner than I am. So this is yeah. going to be epic. And to be in massive sand dunes and being in remote areas that really only I've been into, it's like some of these nooks and crannies that I've been into before. Yeah. And to be able to share that place with her was yeah. just awesome. Yeah. You know? And she'll remember that for the rest of her oh, life. Oh yeah. There's no question yeah. like that. Yeah. No, it was, it was beautiful anyway. Yeah. I definitely encourage people to follow Ray because there is. I appreciate that. Yeah. No question. No, there's a, a, a lot of the positivity you're talking about comes through in your post. So it's, um, it's well, like what life is, right? I mean, you know, you got, uh, everything just moves so quickly now in the world we live in. I mean, there's just so many things in our lives that create uh, stress or adversity in our lives in general that, you know, for me, uh, even in this time period, I've tried to still remain looking at the glass half full, you know, and uh, at the worst of times overflowing at the best of times. And so, you know, you gotta just, uh, yes, perspective. It's all perspective, you know? Nice. What's next for Ray? So, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, a month post last chemo and now I'm training harder. I got, you know, I'm focused on some summer projects that I'd like to do. I'd like to do a special project down in the Mojave I'm looking at doing. Um, getting back to Ellesmere with Kevin next year is a big goal for ours, um, of ours. I've got some Capic One projects where I'm guiding clients in the Atacama mm-hmm. Desert and across Ayuitic and Baffin Island. I've as well got uh, Impossible to Possible. I mean, post-pandemic, it's our first major project. Uh, We'll be going to Nunavut in June um, with a group of youth. And so, you know, I got lots on the horizon, you know, that that I'm focused on. So it keeps me, keeps the wheels turning and keeps me sharp and busy, you know. 
Yeah. Has, has your idea of what an explorer is, has that changed in the, in the past six, eight months? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I don't know if I'm in love with the term explorer yeah. anymore. I mean, I just don't know if I have, you know, we live in such a different world. Uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I, explorer seems to be like a sort of a, a term from the past. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm wrong on that. I have no idea. All I know is I like, for me, I think, and as I get later into my career, I still got wheels, I can still hustle, I can still move, and as long as I can, I want to move like that. But I really have enjoyed, you know, being back in the Eastern Arctic, for example, like what, 20 times? Yeah. The friendships that I have. It's funny, I used to go for the geography, now I go for the friendships, and then the geography is awesome too. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's that whole aspect, culturally, emotional, that I'm attached to with these places that has changed my vision and version of what adventure and exploration and all these things are. It's much more, you know, holistic, whole approach to what I'm doing. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I hear you about the Arctic too, because I've done, spent much less time than you have out there, obviously. But there is, there's a, it's a diff, very different feel in, in terms of the community and the people up there than it is down south here. So I'd encourage people to check it out. Oh, they got, I mean, it's, there's a, yeah, you there's have a, to go to as a Canadian if you can and when yeah, you can. And I, yeah, we're all different points in our lives. And, yeah. you know, but if, if you're planning, you know, your trip of a lifetime um, and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this one big trip of a lifetime. I mean, it really is. Yeah, go, put it on the list. Go north. You know? Go north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Ray, it's great to see you again. And it's great to see you doing so well. You know, and, yeah, we look forward to having you back here soon. Thanks, buddy. Can't wait. That's it for this episode of Explore. Thanks so much listening. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review us. It helps others to find these interviews and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. Until next time, when we'll explore again. I'm David McGuffin. I think right now we're enjoying very much looking back at the earth and it's just a fantastic experience and I just can't wait to get back and start telling you. We have right Simpson about June 10th with a fur brigade consisting of a number of York boats. Each man by ten voyageurs. For us, in this, it means that in this oral history is very strong. Every clue, over every inch of the country that could be, we're hoping that he would fire at us.